0: So V.E. Schwab wrote a new book and obviously I'm going to read it and talk about it. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue follows Addie LaRue who makes a deal with the darkness and ends up meaning that everybody is unable to remember her until 300 years later, she meets Henry Strauss who is able to remember her. And just from that concept, like I was hooked and the book is so... Good. Like obviously the writing's amazing because it's V E Schwab, but the storyline is amazing too and like the whole premise is cool and like the way she builds the story and the way she tells it and like just the build up and the anticipation you get and it just like it's great and amazing and I'm very excited to talk about it. Books, TV, music, and movies, all things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is My Take. with the book we are going to start with a little bit on the writing and it's V.E. Schwab so obviously it's amazing. The descriptions of everything are amazing and the way we learn about the deal and then the way Addie has to learn about the constraints of her deal and how she has to work through them and how she can actually leave a mark on the world and how she still learn how to live because there's all these things you don't even realize like when they forget her you know she can't rent a room anywhere because they rent it to her and they forget that they rented it to her and she can't buy anything because she can't find stability because she can't take a job right like it takes away this whole sense of stability that all these things you take for granted and the way that Addie learns about that is written really well and we get to go through different places through history and see the french rebellion or world war ii and all of these influential people and we talk about joan of arc and beethoven and all these famous philosophers And so it's this really cool, like, tour through history through one person's perspective, and we jump between past and present, and V.E. Schwab does the same cliffhanger thing. All of her books that I've read, this is only the third book of hers that I've read, but with all of them, we flip between past and present, and you start in the present, and then you learn something in the present, and you're like, holy shit, I want to see where that takes me, and then... And the next chapter is the past and so you're reading the past to get the present and then in the past you're like holy shit oh my god there's a cliffhanger and the next chapter is the present and you're like well i want to figure out the first cliffhanger so you read that really quickly and then you get left on another cliffhanger and it's just like there's always these little like drop-offs because you keep switching back and forth and you're always like rushing to finish the book and it's really good and we get henry's point of view too which i was not expecting because it's the invisible life of addie larue i was like okay it's addie's story but we do see Henry's side of things which is really cool and it's also really cool because he also made a deal with the darkness right and so it's interesting to see the comparisons between their deal and how they played out and why they did it and all of that stuff and I like that we get to see it through Henry's eyes and not just through Addy's eyes but we also see it through Addy's eyes and basically the writing is just fucking amazing but what did we expect because it's V.E. Schwab it's always going to be fucking amazing so now we're going to move on to just talking about the plot and we start in historical france and i love that because i like history and historical france just has this really cool like romantic interesting mystery vibe to it you know when you think about like france nowadays and you think about like history like it just it's a really cool vibe and setting to start it with and i love that and then we skip to the future and we learn that addie physically can't write her story down which really sucks because that's the one thing where it's like she can't even write things down like as a memoir to herself she can't write something down if she tries to paint something it gets washed away which would be nice when you know you spill shit and it just like wipes itself off but like she can't write like we write all the time we do things all the time like there's all these basic pleasures of life that she gives up and like learning and seeing those things is really cool but also i'm like holy shit, she can't write you know like I take for granted the ability to write. I, like, complain when professors assign me papers and stuff. But it's like, she can't write, you know? And that really, like, it's one of the many things where I'm like, oh my god, my life has so much stability I didn't even realize I had. Um, I had that realization a lot throughout this book. And then we see Addy use her powers to steal clothes. And, like, that's the only way she's going to be able to buy them because... She can't make money because she can't hold a job so like i kind of love it for her but also like it comes up later with henry's reaction of like holy shit, how are you getting these things and all that but before we meet henry she's stealing clothes and i kind of love it for her and then we see her past and her drawing the perfect stranger who turned out to be luke who was the darkness and i love that she's like drawing and it's really cool but i also hate that she feels stuck and like hates her small town life and stuff because I would probably feel stuck and hate my small town life especially in historical france because like as cool as historical france sounds like women didn't really have rights and she was expected to just grow up and get married and if she wouldn't want to do that she was an outcast and so like historical france is cool but it also like causes a lot of problems i'm sure if she was born like in the 2000s or even in the 90s like she would be fine and this deal would never have been made but that's part of what makes it really interesting right and then we see or we learn rather that her father's wooden ring always comes back to her and then later we learn it's because Luke cursed it and so if Addie ever puts it on it will be like her calling for Luke and um before we learn that it gave me like Riptide vibes um from the percy jackson series because riptide always appears in his pocket and i would really like that if i had something that was super meaningful to me and it just always appeared like whenever i needed it or like i could lose it and it always like reappear that would be really cool but then later on learning that it's like luke's ring and stuff like it gets a little less cool and then we see her making the deal with the darkness because she's running away from her marriage and I don't blame her for running away from her marriage because she didn't want to get married. That was never the life she envisioned for herself. But the dramatic irony of her running away and us knowing that the sun is going down and that she's praying to the darkness and we've been told, you know, never play to the gods that answer after dark and stuff. And so that was like a really intense scene. And one of the most intense points of the book besides like the ending and then the fact that it was sealed with a kiss it rubbed me the wrong way I don't know because he was the darkness and the god and he was like kind of a shadow and it was just really weird and I was like why the fuck are you kissing her you know like I didn't want there to be any contact between them besides like the talking but then we see all the aftermath and going to her parents and going to Estelle's and them not understanding or not understanding not knowing her and that like crushing Addie so much and I was like holy shit if I just walked up to my parents and they didn't know who I was one day that would crush me too right like so yeah that really sucked and like there are some cool parts of her deal but there are a lot of shitty parts of her deal and then we see all of the like experimenting that Addie does to try and figure out how her deal works and what she's got to do and how she has to end up like selling her body to make money because that's the only thing that like people will pay for without remembering who you are and stuff and and we see her almost get raped at the stable in le mans and she has to stab the dude and then she's like okay i need more out of my life and she decides to go to paris and so i'm glad like obviously she doesn't get raped and then i'm glad that it spurs her on is like no i can have more with my life and so she decides to go to paris and then in the present day we see her meet henry and she tries to steal the greek version of something or the other i don't remember but henry remembers who she is so obviously she can't steal from it and i love the last word being the recycled bookstore's name like that is really cool and like i have a really cool recycled bookstore by my house it's called recycled books and the last word i think is just a really cool recycled bookstore name Um, and then after we try and steal from Henry, I love that we got Henry's perspective, which like I said earlier, I wasn't expecting to get. And then we see him going to Robbie's play and he has this like storm metaphor, which I instantly assumed was like depression, um, which we never really got like an answer to what it was, but you know, it, we learn a little bit about him and stuff. And so like, I'm pretty sure my depression theory is like what it is. And then we see... Addie back in Paris and she's being a prostitute and she wakes up in the cart of bodies because she got so cold they thought she died and then she just wakes up and freaks out the whole town because she's waking up and like is alive in this cart of bodies and I freaked out for her because I was like holy shit girl had to wake up and realize like there was a body on top of her and she was presumed dead and she was around all these corpses and like that really really sucked and at the same time she loses the bird that she took from her dad and that was her last like memory of home and that was crushing because she can only anyways like have so much and she has very few possessions and it really sucked that that was the thing that she lost. And then we see Luke show up for the first time and ask for her soul and she refuses. And obviously, like we know she refuses because she continues to live on, but I was very happy that she refused and she was like, no, I'm gonna figure this shit out. And just because it's been a year doesn't mean like I can't figure this out. And then we see her getting woken up on the rooftop by the girl who paints her again. And then we see her go back to the last word and henry remembers her and they go to coffee and i was like yes that was the first time i was like okay this is this is gonna be like romance like i was very happy because i wanted her to be with somebody and obviously i love romance so i was always looking for a romance thread like obviously the one guy who remembers her she's gonna fall in love with him like that's what it's gonna be and then we go back into the past and And we see dinner with Luke, and the battle line's being drawn about her deal and everything. And then we go on the whole speakeasy date um, with Pinball, and Henry then freaks out about Addie having already seen the movie, which was weird at the time. And I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, why is he so freaked out about this? And I didn't realize, like, how weird it was and why it was so significant until the end. And now that I know the end and, like, going back and thinking about that moment, I was like, holy fuck, like that's why he freaked out and that's why he was so like no we always need to be experiencing something new and like that sucked and then we see the past and Addie has a really good time with Remy and she like spends the night with him and sleeps with him and she's all like this is what my first time should have been like and I wish it would have been like that and you know she really thought she had a connection with him and then he wakes up and he pays her because he can't remember, and so he just assumes she was a prostitute, which, like, she really fucking sucked. I mean, she got money out of it, but it really fucking sucked that here was this guy that she had a connection with, and even though she knew he was gonna forget, he forgot to the point where he just thought she was a pro. Like, that just sucked, you know? And then we go to the fourth rail in the present with henry and it's really cool that we see how addy helped discover it and helped like set everything up for that and like it's another place where she's leaving her mark on the world and then she finally hooks up with henry and has breakfast for the first time and like that was really significant as like she is moving up in the world and she's finding stability and security and she gets to have breakfast especially because we start the book with like addy waking up with um Toby and like not being able to have breakfast and stuff even though he's like being nice to her, he still doesn't remember her. And this time like Henry remembers and they're like having breakfast and it's really cute. And then they go on the food truck date and Addie saves dessert by talking in French at the Paris bakery and goes to Bee's dinner party. And I was very scared that Bee's dinner party was going to be a mess um because she hadn't told Henry about it. And it was kind of a mess because Robbie was being overly jealous and stuff but it was not a mess for the reasons we thought and then we jump back in the past a little bit and we see her going to the philosopher's salon in Paris and Luke revealing that she can plant ideas which was really cool and I liked that we learned that and then we're like okay we can move on and like Addie can actually make a mark on the world and then we see Robbie the morning after the dinner party and I think it's gonna all fall apart because Addie, you know has to explain this and like yes she was able to tell henry her real name which was really cool and i really loved it for her that she was able to tell henry her real name but how do you explain that you made a deal with the devil to somebody who like probably doesn't think the devil exists you know and then addy's able to tell henry the truth which is really fucking cool that she's able to like say her story and henry believes her and i was like okay that's great and he's like because i made a deal too and i was like holy shit wait up Henry made a deal like that is why y'all are together because Henry can remember you because he made a deal you know like obviously I didn't put together the implications of that like what Luke said at the end but the fact that Henry made a deal I was very shook because I was not expecting that and then we get Henry's backstory with his proposal being rejected and he freaks out and then makes the deal and I thought that was the whole backstory I was like okay he made a deal and it'll probably be for a really long time, or for forever, or something, and, you know, it'll be okay, we we'll have get to ride off in the sunset together, and I'm such a dumbass, you know, I thought, but we learn that Henry Steele means that everyone sees what they want from him, and it really sucks, because I was like, as much as that was what Henry thought he wanted, and then we see, like, his first family dinner, and his family being proud of him for the first time, it does really suck when anybody's Seeing you as like what they want to see in you and I guess everybody does that to an extent, right? Everybody sees what they want to see, but it's like nobody can actually see the real you nobody knows Really who you are except for Addie who can see right into him because all she wants to do is be remembered And so she doesn't care who the hell remembers her as long as it's somebody and so it's really cool that they're like perfectly matched like that And then we learned that a long time ago B wanted to do her thesis on all of the paintings about Addie long before Henry knew who Addie was, which was really cool, and then we see Henry's, like, rebound Vanessa being a psycho and setting fire to the box of his ex's things and being, like, well, I love you, and this is just the past, and you're carrying on the past, and so I'm gonna set fucking fire to it after a week of dating Henry, and, like, I hated that so much. I was, like, you know, we shouldn't really call girls psychos. We shouldn't really call anybody psychos, and, like, we shouldn't play into this stereotype of, like, crazy ex-girlfriend or whatever, but That really was a psycho move. Like, who sets fire to shit, you know? Like, I understand... First of all, who says I love you after a week? Second of all, who sets fire to shit? And third of all, I understand if you're like, hey, you know, I realize you're hanging on to the past and, like, I would appreciate if you would be able to find some closure because I really want to move forward and, like, have a conversation about it. Then I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. But just setting fire to his fucking shit is not the way to go. And then... (laughs) we see Henry and Addie going to the High Line, which was a really cool like experience with all the rubber bands and you go into the different rooms it's different things. And the last room says you are the art and Henry uses his hand to like draw so Addie can draw using Henry's hand. And then they go home and Addie starts dictating her story to him which becomes the book and it's really cool. And we really love that Addie can tell her story finally to somebody and somebody can write her story down. And then Henry telling Addie to stay at his place for a while, and they go do the, like, whisper gallery thing at Grand Central, and then we see in the past that Luke just transported Addie from revolution-bound Paris to Florence and left her there, which, like, kind of a dick move. She doesn't speak the language, but Addie did want to see the world, so it kind of helped her out, and then we see the fight between Addie and Henry about money in the pub after They're a little date, and I mean, Henry's got a point, right? Like, he has money, he can pay for things, and he feels wrong about stealing, but Addie also has a point because it's all she's ever known, it's the only way she can do this, and she's never known stability for the past 300 years of her life. So, like, I was very glad that the fight was not nuclear and they worked their shit out, but I was very sad that, like, they had the fight because I was very scared it was going to be nuclear and that was going to be the end of it, and then... We see the artist drawing addy the morning after in italy which was really cool and like it was really cool that even though he forgot her he's like no you look so pretty like i have to draw you right now and then luke just takes her on a field trip to claim beethoven's soul which like actual legit beethoven and like just claiming his soul and it was like really intense and really weird and like really scary for addy and obviously really scary for us and then we see the concert they go to for henry's birthday and the artist being Toby and he sings about Addie, and like I love how everything comes together, right? I love that he started off the book and then we see him later on and he's written the song about Addie. I don't like that they have the fight at the end, or it's not really a fight, but I don't like that you know she's like freaking out a little bit. Um, but it's really cool that like everything comes together, and then we see Luke taking her to the opera in Munich, and we learn that he made a deal with Joan of Arc, which was kind of cool. Like, I'm not pro-Luke at all, I hate him, but I like that we mentioned Joan of Arc. I don't know, I like the history of this book, and I like that it's like a little self-guided tour of history through Addie's eyes, which is cool. And then we see 4th of July, and things get kind of weird with Henry on the rooftop, and I thought it was going to be foreshadowing to him committing suicide, like, I thought there was going to be something where it's like, he couldn't take it, or he couldn't do something and. You know obviously I was wrong it was going to be kind of so much worse um because then we see Henry take Addie to the beach and she's a really really good 300th anniversary of July 29th and they finally admit that they love each other and it's adorable and then Luke shows up and exposes the fact that Henry Steele was only for a year and it's not like it was only for a year and they have a year left it was only for a year and they have fucking days left like not even counting the time in months like days 36 fucking days or something I was mad and sad and I had all the emotions I was like how did you not tell Addy why is Luke having to be the one to expose this why did you only make a deal for a year what the fuck why do we only have 36 days left like why couldn't you have told this to us earlier like it's just a fucking mess and then Addie runs out and makes a deal to spend the day with Luke to try and fear Henry and obviously we know that's not going to work and in the midst of this we learn that Addie was a spy for France when Germany occupied France in World War II and Luke got her out of German jail which was a really weird fact but it was really cool and I you know props to Addie for being a spy for France and working on the right side of the war and then we see him take Addie to the club to see Frank Sinatra in LA and then go back to the hotel and it was the first time that they hooked up and I was severely severely grossed out by this because I was grossed out by their kiss that sealed the deal back way way back when she first made the deal so the fact that they were now hooking up was really weird and I was already reeling from the news that like Henry only had days left and now we're seeing them hook up and then we see the years 1952 to 1968 just being a blur of like hooking up with luke and then we go to new orleans and he's like i love you and he gets out of the house and it all being a big lie to get addy to surrender which like obviously fuck luke like we knew it was just a ploy right he was switching tactics and i was so grossed out by it that i didn't even care but then Addie was like holy shit like i thought maybe this could actually be a thing or we could actually just be enjoying each other's company and then She burns down the house, which, like, I was very proud of her for burning down the house. I was like, yes, set fire to it. Like, fuck him. He does not deserve you. Like, you shouldn't have spent all this time fucking him. But I was very glad she burned down the house. And then we see the makeup anniversary and not working it out with Luke and Luke being like no I'm still gonna take his soul by the way and then he takes a fucking week instead of a fucking day and I was so scared I thought Henry was going to be like freaked out and like dump her or whatever and like all of these thoughts were running through my mind and we show back up and we learn also on the makeup anniversary that Luke intentionally put Henry into her path to teach her a lesson which like again fuck Luke and I thought Addie was gonna freak out and be like well now I can't be with Henry because it was just supposed to be a lesson from Luke and stuff and like there was all these things that I was freaking out about and then we see Henry's goodbye with B and Robbie and just telling them he was going out of town which in hindsight I was very glad but also it really sucked and then We wait on the roof, and I was so fucking sad, and I was, like, on the verge of crying the whole time. Time was counting down, and then Addie was like, by the way, I'm giving myself to Luke, and you get your freedom, and I was, like, relieved on one hand, because I was like, okay, Henry doesn't have to die, but then I was like, fucking Addie can't be with him, because she has to go spend the time with Luke, and then... We see, like, the last art thing being the Polaroids that Henry took of her, and we learned that, like, B did her thesis on that, and we skipped to March of 2015, and Henry wrote the book about her, and the cover just is the title, The Invisible Life of Addie Ruluru and it doesn't have his name on it because he wants all the focus to be on her, And everyone's always saying her name, which is the most amazing gift that he could ever give her because Addie will now forever be remembered. And that was the one thing we thought Luke took away from her. And now she's always going to be remembered. And we see Addie in the bookstore when it was released. And then we go back to the past when she made the deal with Luke and she purposely slanted it in her favor so that he could eventually release her. And I was very glad she didn't tell him. Part of me wanted her to tell him and be like, by the way, this deal is not foolproof. But then I realized I was like, well, if she does that, he's just gonna hold on to her for longer out of spite. And so the plan is eventually Luke will give up on her. And I'm guessing with Henry's deal being off, like he just lives his life and grows old, but maybe he's immortal. But basically the implication is eventually she'll get back to Henry or at least eventually get back to her freedom, which like after all of the emotions of like everything we learned in the last bit of the book, that just made me so fucking happy between seeing the book getting published and seeing Addy being like, yeah, I'm, like, getting myself out of this deal, and, like, he thinks he can hold me, but I can't, I was very happy about. So, to wrap up this episode, it started off a little slow. Like, I love Addy, and we needed all the buildup, and I love Henry, and I love his backstory, but it I wasn't, like, instantly hooked because it just, it was somebody's life story, and it was really interesting, but it was I think after Henry showed up I was like okay yes I'm like 10 times more interested now because there's somebody she gets to share this with and it's not just like reading her past and her history we get to like see her actually get to build something with her life right and then I really just kept thinking like oh this is really nice like we get to see them living their lives and it's great and it's happy and yes they have their struggles but they're happy together and then little did I know that all of the shit that would go down in what felt like the last 20 pages or something of the book does go down and it's so intense and insane and I was fucking like sad and mad and happy and then the end turned out to be kind of okay and between all the emotions I'd had right before the ending like given the ending I was like over the fucking moon considering like Henry didn't have to die and Addie still got to live and she had a plan and everything and so it was just a real roller coaster at the end but I really really loved it and as much as I loved it I hope there's not a sequel because The only reason there would be a sequel is if more shit has to happen and, like, fuck up Henry and Addie's lives to then fix it. And I don't want to see their lives get fucked up anymore. Like, I'm happy with the implication that it's going to be okay and that we don't need to see it being okay. And if she wants to write, like, a bonus chapter eventually where it's like, Henry and Addie, like, reunite, I want to read that. But I don't want to read a sequel because I don't want to see anything worse happening to them. And the way it ended, like... As much as it sucked, it was good, and it had hope, and from the way we thought it was gonna end, I was plenty okay with that, and I am very glad I read it, and obviously it's V.E. Schwab, so it was gonna be amazing, and yeah. I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not gonna be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um by me i do all of my own social media the only person i really have to thank is one of my great friends paris who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now so thank you paris and thank you all for listening you can reach me at underscore my take on twitter and instagram and please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast that helps a ton so yeah thanks for listening